but it comes down to what did you do, right? Your business is your business, right? It's a way to do something, but also to, yeah, to give the community I mean, because the money you can take it with you. So how many people's lives did I in touch? Was it through, you know, sending kids to Austin Sunshine camps? Was it to funding scholarships for college or private school, whatever it may be? You know, thinking about death, but like in a positive way in the sense of, I mean, it's going to happen, right? And to me, I think that's the driving force of humanity. It's knowing that and knowing you have, you have, you know, a limited time to do something or some things on this planet. What do you want to do? On this week's episode of Establishing Your Empire, AJ Bingham. AJ is the CEO and founder of the Bingham Group. And when he's not out advising clients on governmental and public affairs, he's very active in the nonprofit community. So we sat down to talk about how he went from employee to entrepreneur how you can get involved in giving back to your community and how he continues to build his empire. You're listening to the Establishing Your Empire show, a podcast that inspires entrepreneurs, creatives, and future business owners to pursue their passions, grow their organizations, and build their empire. My name is Darren Herman, and creatively, I'm best known for my photography, but business-wise, my claim to fame is growing a company from 15K per month in online sales to breaking the $1 million a month barrier. And I'm sitting down with interesting people to talk about their process, the lessons they've learned, and how they have established their empires. Hi, AJ, and welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here, Darren. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. So why don't we just start with maybe give us a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, who you are. And how you, how you got here? Yeah, so I'm sure this is in the show notes, but I, I'm a lobbyist with the Bingham Group. It's a firm I started th- almost three years ago. We three years old, April 10th of this year. Um, you know, it's quick quick overview background. I grew up in Austin. My dad was in the Air Force. So for those who aren't haven't been here in the last uh, probably 30 years or so, the airport Bergstrom used to be an Air Force base. We got stationed here from Germany in '91. And uh, yes, you know, I came here when I was eight and went through grade school through high school here. Um, went to undergrad in North Carolina, Wake Forest University, and then I went to law school in Topeka in your neck of the woods at uh, right. Washburn Law and uh, went straight through, graduated uh, 05 for college or 04 for college a little early and then 08 from law school, came right back to Austin right after law school and with the goal of getting in the capital here, legislature. And then getting the lobby after that. So did you always think that you were wanting to be a lobbyist? Is that kind of like something you always had a passion for or did that? You no, no. And I, I don't think a lot of people do. I think it's the lobby is one of those professions that's not really talked about. People have obviously have ideas about it and generally know about it mostly from you know bad press and so on. But it's not a profession. Have you ever seen Thank You for Smoking where you have someone's parent come to school and talk about being a lobbyist? I do a lot of talks like career days with grade schoolers and middle school and high school because I think it is a very interesting profession and definitely one that, you know, there's definitely a need for diversity in it, right? I think you can make a great career out of this. And so I try to, when I'm invited to talk to students about it, kids and college kids too, just to open the doors about open eyes to what we do and what the profession is about. So why don't you give us like a little background what actually what lobbying is and what 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 that what that means yeah i mean essentially we are paid advocates for a cause i mean you can we'll pull back you can be a volunteer advocate or a paid advocate right but the basis of the, of the job is on the professional side um, we represent an entity right so it could be a nonprofit, 
um, like American Heart Association, Goodwill, things like that, or a, a business group, right? So McDonald's, you know, any kind of corporation, large or small, right? I mean, I had previously, I represented some small businesses in Austin on issues and some large companies too, but that's the base of the job. You are a paid representative or you're an advocate um, for an interest that has, and that interest has uh, some interest in the government, whether it's city hall or a capital, the capital here could be the school district. It could be capital Metro, right? But we are the lobby lobbyists are at the intersection of kind of business and politics. And it sounds to me, it's basically like a consultant, but because you know how to navigate that field for organizations. Is that, is that a fair Correct, assumption a little right? bit? Because you think about it, right? Like, you know, Darren, you, you're a taxpayer and uh, elected officials, you know, they represent you, you're, you know, city hall and so on. You could go down to city hall and, you know, theoretically, or you could go ask for meetings with staffers and council members, request those meetings. But Darren, you have a day job and that's not to be at city hall all day or the Capitol or wherever it may be. So essentially, you know, you're hiring us because we, and every lobbyist should be doing this reporting to have, um, one, one to know the process and also to be able to navigate your issues as wherever they may be in that, you know, that sandbox, right? Whether it's the Capitol or city hall or AISD or so on. Yeah. I and don't think I would do a very good job either. Well, support, like if I wanted to go there and present my case, I'm not so sure I'd have that much power as a single person. Well, we'd be, Perhaps, we'd be surprised, right? Because I think the misconception is that it's all, it's, 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 it's more about your presence, right? Essentially that's it. And there are, there are some citizens, right, who are at council or at the, at, you know, at the Capitol all the time, and they are known, right? So you could, again, it's taken away from your day job, but if you're, you know, say if you're retired or something like that, you could go and be a citizen advocate and be a presence and be known there. But essentially, like anything else, this is a human relations business. And the more someone knows who you are on your face and then kind of what you're about, it helps, right? But, and so essentially, you are hiring a lobbyist in your, for your company to help navigate the issue, but also because they are, in theory, coming with a ready set uh, of relationships um, and are known by the people, known to the people that you are trying to reach out to and influence potentially. So walk me through. So now you have your own uh, company. And so walk me through like how you went from um, actually before you had the company and why you started one. I guess that would be a good place to start. Yeah. I mean, so I've been in the, in the lobby for almost a decade. It'll be, man, it'll be 10 years, June 1st of, of this year. I keep, I, I keep thinking we're in 2019. It'll yeah. be June 1st of this year, 2020. And, um, you know, it's only probably in the last five years, kind of, I'd work for different firms that the entrepreneurial bug hit me in, or bit me rather. And the biggest reason I think it was, was, I mean, I never, my God, in this business, I wanted to be a lobbyist. I never thought I'd wanted to have my own firm. And a lot of it was, I mean, I, I just want to be part of a team. I want to be part of a team that was growing to have my place in that, to be a, a path to be successful and to be rewarded for that. And to, but also to always to be part of a team and just collaborate and build something bigger than myself. And just, you know, that along the path of, I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably have this same experience. You realize, you know, if you can't find it, you just do it yourself. Right. right. And, yeah. you know, you reach, I think you reach a certain level of competency in this profession or in most professions where you come to a crossroads of one, you know, you might have that day where you had a bad, you know, day of the office and you, you're like, well, if I was boss, I would do this. Mm -hmm. 
And then it, one day, kind of in kind of probably midway through my career, that thought hit me, and I could really pinpoint what I would do if I was boss. So what? So it wasn't just so much me just saying it to blow off steam, like this is BS, and you know, if I was boss, it would it wouldn't be this way. I had my mind like if I was boss, I would do X, Y, and Z different, and it would be, have these impacts. So it was almost the kind of um, the. I reached that least that minimum threshold where I saw kind of all of a sudden the application of my experience, right? For lack of a better word, and what I would do. Then it becomes, what do you want to do with that? When you've <laughs> when you've reached that threshold, right? I think that happens in any profession, right? Professional professional profession, or even like in, in photography or anything else. You have the requisite skills, the baseline skills to do the job and to run to run it to be to be boss, right? If you want to be, and that's different. That's a different part of connotation too. Well, you had those skills and you can pinpoint what you would do. And then when it comes, do you want, you know, the question, you know, why don't you do it? Right. Right. And it's not, I view, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a positive that we've seen in the last probably decade, right. The rise of entrepreneurship as a ready path. Right. When I was in high school and college, there were people who did it, but it wasn't like promoted the way to, there weren't college programs for this stuff. Right. None of that. Now it's like, Cool to be it's entrepreneur. The, yeah, it's cool yeah. to be an entrepreneur, and I, I'm, I think it's a good thing overall. I think it opens because I think entrepreneurship, bottom line, opens up a lot more pathways for those who have, you know, their creativity and the the fortitude to pursue that path. Right, the experience when I do it, and sometimes not even that. Just they have they have an idea and the fortitude and we're willing to, to see it through. Um, but you know, not everyone needs or needs or desires to be an entrepreneur or their own or the boss, right? Because that's a thing. I think there is a separate. As I'm continuously learning, there is something different from the theory of that to the practicality of that, and then the things that come along with being, you know, CEO of your company or whatever it may be. Particularly when you have employee, when you have employees, right, and skills that you have to adjust and grow. Right. Like it's evolution of things. So for me, it was starting my kitchen table, the company, being a mm-hmm, group mm-hmm. and growing there, being a person, you know, a comp- a, the corporate we, the pro- a company of one to to you know, starting to get empl- full time employees or going from interns to full time employees and then recognizing, OK, like I have to I know how to be by myself and lobby like, you know, as a lobbyist. But now you're getting into things like I need to plot out like, you know, just insurance and um culture right, right. Am, I, am i making am i am i, am I giving my people is not we're a private company like i view our clients are our shareholders but my the people that work for me are definitely shareholders in the sense of who i'm accountable to am i giving them what they needed as much as where our clients need because if our team's not being built and it's being dysfunctional then we can't serve our clients well yeah i mean it's going from being just a, an all-star single player to being the coach and and the all-star usually sometimes you know, and then also this a good point but and you know the goal of being a group is never to have one. All- I mean, I want to. I want a, a deep bench of like eighteen players, but it's also to know when you're. It's the tension of going from player to coach, <laughs> and can you do that, right? Because sometimes a good team, like you don't have to be the best player to be a great coach. And a lot of, the, I mean, most of the coaches in the NBA weren't players, right? right? Even, even if they were players, they weren't the all stars, but they're really good at coaching, which takes a different mentality and skill set, and almost a check of your ego. <laughs> to, yeah, to let it go so. to, to, to boost a star or stars up yeah let go of some yourself and it's harder i think particularly when it's your own company 
I have a hard time, uh, the stuff that I'm good at of letting other people take uh, control of it. Um, to me, we do a whole range of services. So it's very easy for the stuff I'm not the best at. Very easy to let somebody else be, you know, kind of let that, whether it's the uh, direction of the specific project or actually the way the company wants to go. But the stuff I'm like good at it, I have a tougher time letting go. Yeah. Um, it's actually, like training, right? You got to let people... Within reason, you gotta, they're only gonna get better if you give them the space to get to evolve and become better. Like, just like we all, you and I both did in our professions, but also realizing once they reach that threshold where they are good as you or you're being better, it's your company, you're freed up. You can do, you know, because you have to invest in them to give you more time to plot the future or to, you know, be with you, be on a family vacation or so on. Otherwise, you're always gonna be doing everything. Yeah. Which isn't the point of being an entrepreneur. The point is to hopefully, have some time, more time to yourself. Yeah. And that's usually, that's actually a, a common misconception is, oh, if I work for myself, I have more time. <laughs> well, it's always in your mind. Yeah, you know, your like mind, it never gets but, away. So for me, the battle is I need trying to take more away time. Not so much like the company, it's your baby. It's always, it's never off your mind. But the best you can do is maybe give yourself some, some space for a scenery change. Really just let those ideas with the company evolve, you know, kind of flesh out more, air out more than they would when you're kind of in the, in the grind of like your market, like for us being Austin. Yeah, I, I completely agree that uh, if you're always in the weeds, it's very difficult to come up with strategy and, and come up with new ideas. But when you step away to a different scenery, as you put it, that then a lot of times you can uh, actually, you might not be actually at your desk working, but you're getting some other tasks done like strategy. Let's back up a little bit. So how did you go from, okay, I'm an employee to say, how did you actually, what steps you go through or thought process to actually create your own firm? Yeah, you know, so the thought was there and it would kind of start, it would kind of come in, in and out, right? Depending, I was still working for the company at that point and um, it would come in and out and, but it was always kind of present, right? Like it would, it would, I would get busy for a few weeks on the project, but then it would always, that thought was always popping. Like you basically, you can do this. It was the kind of if you can build or if you build, they will come kind of thing for those who are of a certain age. Remember that movie, right? But it was that thought, like you can do this. And it was, I mean, you just know, when you know yourself, you know that, that, you know, when you should be doing something, you're not doing it like that. There's that weight on your shoulders. That's what it felt like. And then it kind of will keep growing and, you know, got to a point where I realized this is one of those key things, those key kind of crossroads where if you don't try this, you're going to regret it. Right. And the beauty, I think, with age, we're about, we're about the same age is you have enough experience to know when those things, you know, you know, when those things, you, th- you know, the things you've missed in the past, mm-hmm. that you felt the way you didn't, you know, what your regret you have about those today. And then it should hopefully help inform you about those decisions as those things pop up in the future. So this is one of those things I really realized, like, I need to, tr- I, need, I need to make a go with this. Obviously, I think, um, you know, I'm, I wasn't the type to just jump into it, but I knew, okay, what, I'm not ready to go right now, ready, ready baked right now. But this is something probably in a three-year horizon. What can I do right now, though? What steps, actions can I take that keep me that momentum going? So for me, it was you know forming an LLC, forming an LLC, right, limited liability company. At least so it became a. But then it was real. It was on paper. It was a real. You know, I had a an employment or identification number, EIN. I had an actual certified letter from the Secretary of State's office saying. You're a company. And you did, did you do this while you still had a day job? Yeah. Just, just to kind of yeah. put the wheels in motion. Yeah. Because I mean, I've, I've heard, you know, like it's like anything else, right? With any kind of goal in mind, you hear people talk a lot about what they want to do. Well, I want to start a company. And these are all the great ideas I have for it. I boil it down and realize, look, right now, like 
I want, I, I'm not ready to go out my own right now. I'm, but I can, I can make a company up. There's nothing where I can make a company up and have that there as something that I've done. And wherever I kind of maybe get busy with wherever I can look back and say, this is something that keeps me grounded and I need to keep this momentum going. So I got that done. I had a logo already made, um, you know, bought the domain name. Um, so you're getting, you're knocking out these small tasks to kind of give yourself some momentum. Exactly. Uh, as, as you went along. Um, okay. So, so you got a couple things going. Was there a, you know, what, what made you quit, get fired, released? What, 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 how, how did you actually say, okay, enough, I'm on my own. I, 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 you know, you already had the fear of what if I don't do this? Yeah. So my, my, like my last, like my W2 job, there was some leadership changes at the top. And then I was part of that sweep on the way out. And basically it was a, I had, I, I had honestly planned on, it was a, I got, you know, it was out six months sooner than I plan I planned on, which is how sometimes those things go. And that was it. I was like, well, I have, you know, in my case, it was like, I'd, I already had the logo made. I, and it was corporate. It was a, you know, high designer had all the pieces that were there to go. Right. No Con- more excuses. Contact now. list. I mean, everything was made. So it was no, thankfully there was, I didn't have to scramble. It was already made. And then it became, what do you want to do? So it was there. I reached out to a friend who was a photographer. Like, look, I need to get some quick shots up to put on the site. You know, you know, I mean, a tie and whatnot. So we, we ran down to the Capitol, ran down the city hall, got those, threw them up, queued an announcement from like a Monday morning on April 10th, 2017. And that was how we started. I love it. So you had, you had the little push, right? Yeah. Do you think without that, that um, third, like a push that you couldn't control, do you think you would have started it? I, I would have, right. I mean, I, I was on, I was mentally committed to it. It just, it's like that, uh, I think it was, I don't know if Mike Tyson said it or not, but it was like the, uh, everyone has a, everyone has a plan that they get punched in the mouth of the face. And it's that, right? I mean, I had a set think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to quit on this day and have next, use the next the previous six months to line up clients and so on and so on. And it was a gut check. I got knocked, you know, knocked my jaw or my gut and it was, mm-hmm. you're on the ground and your knees and you're like, what are you going to do? Right. And in my case, it was just, I'm getting back up and moving. I'm not going to. You know, life isn't always, life rarely goes as you plan it, right? And it's more just, this is how it's, this is how it's going to be. And we're going to have to make work and move. But thankfully, in my case, I had enough foresight because I wanted to keep momentum going to have physical pieces there. I mean, even the logo, once that was made, I mean, I had copies of it printed and I still have them in my bedroom, like from three years ago. I have one of my, like on the, on my ceiling right above my bed, like first thing I see in the morning. One like and they're kind of key spots in my room, so like I'm looking at it. So even when I, before I, my, I officially launched my company, um, those things those are always a reminder to myself, and that kind of probably goes to kind of my, my personality on that end. I, I think that's really fantastic. I've never really thought about this, but um, something visual. So a lot of times when I build a company, I'll just build the website because I can do that and have that skill set. And uh, even like this podcast, I was like, let's start going and filming and, 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 and putting something out there that seems real. So it's interesting that the logo was a big uh, visual representation for you to say, okay, th- this could be real. Because a name and a logo really, when you look back, is nothing. But yeah. it was something to you and it meant something. So it, it's your flag, right? I mean, it, to me, it's, it's uh, and it, could be, it depends on your personality, but it was, a visual, it was a visual manifestation of what you're looking to achieve. Right. Versus, I mean, and it, it, everyone has that thing. Right. But for me, it was important to see that reminder every day and uh, to know, I guess I, you know, I'd, I'd hack my own brain and knew how I work, right. To know enough to say, 
I put my face every day. I'm not going to forget about it. Right? Yeah. And yeah, especially with being there. So, okay. Now that you've started and you've been going for a couple of years, is there anything that you wish you would have done differently when you started? Uh, no. I mean, there's some lessons we learned like in the last kind of you know, two years, we kind of getting, we're getting more into version 2.0 of the company kind of going from one person to multiple people, more than like more than two people. Right. Um, but no, I think yeah, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But all those things also are gonna get better. Like if I if I had made zero um, stumbles or anything else, or nothing had ever kind of gone sideways at all, you're not prepared for the future. Those things are gonna happen, right? Eventually, unless you're playing it. I mean, I, it, they're gonna happen. No yeah, yeah you, you learn from them. So how 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 do you get clients? Like, you know, is there like a marketing approach? Because it's it's a completely different world to me. Yeah. So a lot of lobbyists don't necessarily like they're not they're not billboards for lobbyists. Those kind of things. <laughs> right. I think the main the main way it happens in the industry it's referrals. Um, also, you know, this this I think I call them qualified cold calls. So you could have, for example, an article in the paper about a company moving to Austin. Um, you know, you look the company up, you see, and this is background too related to this. In most states, uh, lobbyists have to register with the state. Right with their with their ethics commission, so you can see you can go or city of the city of Austin. Certain cities have lobby registrations as well, right? So you can go online at the state state level and local level and look my name up and see who I represent, right? That's kind of how it goes in most in most states. At the local level, not so much sometimes. Anyway, though, I, you know, a company moves here, I look the company up, you know, see where they came from, see they had lobbyists in that state, and if they did, that's great. It means like. The hardest part is like if, if no one's ever used a lobbyist, how do they know? You know, it's, it's, it's they're not familiar with it, right? So if they've already used lobbyists, that's one hill you're already over. They probably see the value in it, so yeah, you, you don't have to sell yourself. And the, the value of lobbyists, you just have to sell yourself. Correct, they're used to it. The then, also, then also, it's figuring out. Okay, so you got that hurdle. Then it's what issues going on in that state that's going on here, or just related to their business. What's going on here? That's the tie for me to like want to call you, Darren, about some issue, right? So it's not just me calling you as lobbyists, like, hey, welcome to, welcome to Austin, welcome to Texas. It's saying, you know, Darren, I saw, you know, you're the general counsel of your company or even the CEO. Like, I saw you were moving here from San Francisco to Austin. And, you know, I saw, I was looking at the issues that you're dealing with the city out there and the state. And just so you know, you know, it's a little different out here in terms of the makeup of our government. But a lot of those issues, a lot of those issues we're seeing brewing here. And I saw you had something out there. So, I mean, the same thing's going to happen here. And whether you hire me or not, it's going to happen, probably. So you should probably, you know, take that what you will. But I'm letting you know the lay of the land here and go. Versus me just calling you trying to, hey, what are your needs, right? It's our job to really to do some research. Just, yeah. And then also, it sounds like you almost provide a little value right away of saying, well, this is what we're seeing a little bit, as opposed to just pitching them, right? Correct. Uh, I mean, it can be twofold. I mean, some folks... Depending on 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 the, on the industry, they want to they want eyes and ears. So it's more knowing, it's just knowing what's going on, right? To not be blind, to not have to be reactionary or on your heels. They want to be able to know if nothing's going on to make sure nothing is going on. But if something is going on, how can you know we get ahead of it and be proactive on it versus waiting for it comes out in the, like the statesman, the paper here, right? right. Um, I mean, that's the value. It's just eyes and ears. And then, yeah, when, and when there's a need to be proactive and engage, how are we doing that? How are we navigating the process to be effective for, you know, that particular client's interest? Walk me through, 
I see with, you know, with your LinkedIn profile and such that you have a very nonprofit background. Maybe walk me through why you're into that and what you're doing and, and maybe your experience there. Yeah. I mean, just kind of as background on this, when I first came back to Austin, you know, I had two goals. One was to get into the lobby, be a lobbyist, but also I, you know, I'd been away for eight years at that point almost. And I'd, I came back, the city had changed so much dramatically. I think, I think for the, the better overall, um, and just growing up here, I wanted to be a part of that, right? And it wasn't just like West Sixth Street, Rainy Street, all that stuff. I mean, I did that. Got that. Like, I did that. Fun. A lot of fun. That's yeah, yeah, it was fun. Well, those weren't there when I was growing up. Those were there when I was in college. I mean, we come, we came back, to, came back from college, um, you know, during breaks, and everyone was still going. Everyone was going to East Six, right? Yeah, dirty and, six. and not not like the the hit part East Austin. Like we're yeah. going to that little strip right there. So it was just realizing like this is, you know, I'm here for the long haul and what do I want to contribute to the city um, beyond like my my dollars, right? And that was it. It was like figuring out my place. And so I, th- I spent a few years trying out different groups and volunteering and figuring out where I want to devote my my, phys- my non-working hours and, and, and money to. And, you know, I ended up, uh, I joined uh, the group called, a group called the Young Men's Business League of Austin, YMBL. Um, I've been a part of that for nearly a decade. I just wrapped up 2019. I was uh, president. It's a 107 year old organization only in Austin. And our, our philanthropy is based around a group called the, or a camp called the Austin Sunshine Camps at Zilker Park, right, right around the way from uh, Barton Springs, which we've operated since 1928. Wow. Right? So great group of guys. Um, and you know, we raise money, our philanthropy again, it's Austin Sunshine Camps. And, um, you know, beyond that board, I'm involved in you related to some other groups as well. Um, on the board of the Thinkery, it's the it's like the Children's Museum of Austin. Um, Trail of Lights for those who've been to Austin. That big, it's a, it's a one of the one of the Austin's oldest kind of festivals here, but it's down at Zilker Park um, and a number of other groups too. The, um, the Long Center for, for Performing Arts around Riverside there, and, and yeah, the fun part to me, it's just again growing up here and now being a part of the city it was enough for me to have a job and that's it and even even if i had a family it wouldn't it would still i'd still be involved it's something that's really important to me to be just someone who has really benefited benefited from a lot of the opportunities that austin's offered to want to make sure and steward um those those things going forward so if say, say somebody's like okay i would love to be more part of things like that like any advice for for people that would want to get more involved in their communities or, or into nonprofits or even into the networking aspects of those groups, like any advice there? Yeah, I think first and foremost, assess what your goals are, what you want. If it's purely purely about business, that and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Try and network. I would say, or if it's more in the, you know, it's more about purely about volunteering. You know, figure that out too. Um, for the, there are groups out there that kind of blend those. I think pretty well. YMBL being one of them. Also, the Young Women's Alliance. Uh, as well, and for those who don't know, like the, if, if you've been to an Austin Under Forty Awards, that's an event that you know, like the YMBL and YWA put on, YWA put on together. Um, but it's assessing what you want to do, right? If it's like there are some really, I think, niche um, young professional groups or volunteer groups um, um, who want to build homes for the you know for the less fortunate or pit, you know clean parks, those kind of things. But if you're looking for that blend of philanthropy or for volunteer service and business networking. Um, you got to assess that for yourself. I think though, it's about whatever you do, it's about showing up and then being <laughs> reliable, right? Those things, you know, real, nothing revolutionary there, but showing up consistently and being a reliable member 
is how you become you get on boards. So typically, so it sounds like actually, you know, join one or maybe multiple, but really figure out the one that you want to put a lot of time and effort into so that yeah. we can make a bigger impact. Yeah. To me, I think it's kind of like the, the probably the advice people got on their high school applications or their colleges applications. I mean, I think it's better me personally to have maybe two, one or two interests. And also it depends that you have a job, you might have a family too. figure out what works for you. And if it's, you know, I wouldn't, I would not commit to. Like even earlier in your career, I'd focus on one or two things and then really volunteer and give your free time to the degree you want to there. And there is a, I, I do subscribe or subscribe to the adage that, you know, you get out what you put into it. Mm-hmm. So like anything else, I mean, showing up once a month and being a baseline member probably won't cut it to be noticed for the board. But if you are the go-to person for a key event they put on, what that organization may be, or a key event and you're a big fundraiser or something where it's clear that, you are really about this organization that gets you noticed because I mean, any good board and a lot of them in the city, nonprofit boards are always looking for quality members. And it's not just about cutting a check. What has been a big benefit of joining a lot of these nonprofits and being involved in them for yeah. you personally? I think it's just the connections. I mean, the real connections like organic, right? I think ultimately the benefit, it depends on what your interests are. If it's really about, if it's, if it's about volunteer volunteership, that's fine. For me, it was a blend of my professional network um, as well as, you know, giving my time to causes I believe in. Like in that right now, it's around, you know, youth and education and the arts and culture, right? Kind of, it kind of ties in the thinkery and the long center and some of the groups I'm, I'm getting involved with and why I'm, you know, the Sunshine Camps too. And, um, but ultimately it's about what you want to do. Now, there are some boards, obviously, the more involved you get, I mean, the public can look at the boards and see, yeah, there are people on these boards that are very civically involved at a substantive level right and other parts of the community but joining a board with that in mind i don't think is the best track i mean you won't you you have to you want to be hopefully the hope is you are aligned in some way with what that that group is doing is not that you're showing up because eventually it shows either because you lose interest or you're not engaged or one of those things so the best advice i would give is really focus on what you want to do or you think you want to do and try it out and just volunteer, volunteer and be a good member. And, you know, most boards, there's a site that they'll, they'll indicate when they have spots up on the board and they have a trustees or governance committee. And, you know, don't be afraid to put your hand up that you want to be on the board. That, that's interesting. It also sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> it, it's a different kind of, well, it's, it's a different kind of fun, right? Because it's right. work. I mean, you're, yeah. you're also, it's, you know, every, all these boards have different committees and such, right? And they, it's, a, it's a sliding scale in terms of what you need to do. You know, the YMBL doesn't have a, a paid staff. It's a pure volunteer organization. And so there's a lot more things that our membership and our board take on than, say, you know, some of the more well-funded nonprofits in the city that have a paid staff. And the board is there as advisors, but there's staff who can really take on a lot of that day-to-day work. Right. Yeah, that completely. I worked with a lot of nonprofits. We do a lot of websites. We've worked with like Breast Cancer Resource Center of Texas and Heart Gift and Seedling Foundation and a bunch of other ones. It's a lot of fun, but those have had staff. So they they get a lot of, I mean, there's a ton of tasks that they have to get done, which mm-hmm. makes sense. If there isn't a staff, then somebody, they're looking for people to raise their hand and help, which also can make you more involved. Um, back to kind of... Uh, I guess your, your, your normal job, uh, or your company, what advice would you give someone who wanting to enter the world of lobbying or government affairs? 
Yeah, for, for those who are interested in lobbying and government affairs and, and this question, I've had a few kind of emails about this over the year or the last few months. And um, I mean, the, the best advice I would give is one to, and this would apply actually to any profession, reach out to folks who do, who do what you think you want to do. It, more so, I'm assuming if you're this person's in college or high school, reach out to people who are already doing it, um, whether you know them or not, right? I mean, trust me, it's, it's always neat to get kind of, kind of, uh, emails from folks from college who are looking to do what they want to do and like are asking for you for your advice right because you're like well i'm great sure and um and get a good take of it see if you can shadow them see if you can get a good idea of what you're doing i'm looking i think of that meme from a long from a few years ago about like you know what my parents think i do my friends think i do and so on and Uh you know i would say for example the misconception and about our business is that it's all you know uh, dinner parties and events and those kind of things and gala galas and all that stuff. Right. It's a part of it, but it's also a lot of like watching and waiting. So it could be you at a hearing, whether watching it at your office online or, or at the, at the hearing room, you know, like in city city hall or the Capitol watching it and waiting for your bill, your ordinance or your item to come up on the agenda, which, you know, could be at four o'clock in the afternoon or could be at midnight or could be at one, one a.m. But you're watching, right, the whole time, and you're just watching. You're, you're waiting, just waiting for your your item to come up, right? So you might be there all night for for thirty minutes of action, or they postpone it, and you come back. <laughs> you come back next month for it, right? Yeah. Um, but that's a big part of the job is is that and like emails and phone calls to people and arranging meetings and, and and thinking and also just thinking about what's going on, all the inputs, right? What are you seeing? What do you what from what you know about? that sandbox what's going to happen next six months next three months and so on and try to stay ahead of it so have you had any like um you know any resources to help you along on this journey like to to get better in your field books or people mentors yeah Um, some of it i mean a lot of it's experience you know just right to its experience you you see you, you see you know you watch a lot of hearings you see you know you see other lobbyists testify or or work and you kind of if you have, I've had some, some folks who I've worked, I was able to like early in my career to work under and see how they worked and operated both for the business of this. And also there's like the business of lobbying, a lobbying firm and then actual lobbying and having good, I think, uh, early um, examples and are just kind of how this whole business works and mentors too. Um, but yeah, not really books. I mean, a lot of it, you know, lobbying, it's one of those professions is not really, t- again, talked about or published about, right? Typically, there's no, like, school on this. I should get that back. I think another, I think there's a program, like, Georgetown has a program, some certificate for advocacy. But the best is just from, like, doing it. Yeah, going and out. And being around it. And then you pick up skill sets there. And, um, yeah, because it's never, it's really what you think it is. So what's your favorite memory related to owning your own company or starting your company or just running it. Right. Yeah. I think it was, you know, there's always uh, that big, that big account moment, right. Where in like, you're, you know, you're kind of, you go from we're moving, we're getting some revenue coming in or some income income coming in. And then that one hits that, that really, you know, based on your books, your numbers that this establishes you in terms of you, the thesis is proven. I mean, thesis was kind of being, it's being tested and like, Month to month, you're good, but like this one really lets you, it gets you over that, that, that threshold or that, you know, quote unquote, that threshold may be at that point, right? It also makes and, you believe that it's real. Like, 
that it's not just you that thinks you can do this. Yeah. Right? You have well, this- it's different, right? There's there, there's the check. Sheet. I mean, there's like there's the accounts you get, obviously that people believe in what you're doing and you're buying, right? But then as the business, you know, knowing it depends on where your where your goals are to grow. Is that one that you know? And you, re, you know, I've, I've been reading a lot of uh, just kind of you know biographies or autobiographies about different entrepreneurs who started big companies, like Phil Knight, Shoe yeah. Dogs, Shoe Dog, yeah, Shoe Dogs, right? And thinking about okay, like you know that influx moment, right? Well, won't, there's, there has to be in a corporate history of anyone's history, there are th- there are key threshold moments. I mean, that's a better way of putting it, right? And I think one of my fondest memories, yeah, the, it was two. One, when I pressed the button to send my announcement. Again, April 10, 2017, there was real, real, right? Because, you know, you might tell people in your mind, oh, yeah, I'm starting a company and so on. But I had a list of like 100 people, city hall staffers, capital folks, people in the community. And like I'm putting this to the world. And again, you're putting, you know, more so what's your thing. My name's on it. It's my last name's on it. It's to the world. Like this is the thing. And you go. And that's to your complete professional world. That was everybody who probably knew you. Correct. You, that yeah, industry. because that's the thing. You, you, again, I think, you know, the business is going to come to you unless people let people know what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, it should be common sense, but a lot of folks don't really, I don't think, do that well, right? So that that threshold, obviously, of making it real, like real, real, beyond like the, I mean, it was real on paper. It was an entity, but who knew about it, right? I to my friends and family. This was the people I didn't know, or not, like they weren't like, pers- these were business relationships. Yeah. There's that threshold. Yeah, then the threshold when you reach kind of those key accounts that, in, you know, that figure, you know, in someone's mind, yeah, everyone's business may be different, right? But it was when I launched it and then when we got to that threshold of, a, of accounts, you know, an account and accounts that allowed, that I knew I could move to the next level of getting office space and then hiring people. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because that was probably something you might not have even really known that that figure was in your head. But like as soon as it hit, like you, it was this justification to what you're doing. Um how long did it take you from when you started to get the first client? Now you hit that send that button. Did it happen right away or was it crickets for a while? Cause I'm sure this sales cycle isn't two seconds. Normally it's probably a longer sales cycle. No, it's very, I mean, at least I'm like, so on the contract lobby side, right? So you have people, you have, you have folks who work in house for a company. They're lobbyists, right? Like they're government relations professionals. So they'll, they'll register lobby, but they represent one client in that company. On the contract side, it's very, I mean, it's, it's eat what you kill, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you know, not, they're in the same industry, obviously, but you have people you work with, you have accounts for shoots or anything else or sites you might develop or you don't. And you have to go out there, you're jumping a business. So in mine, yeah, I launched with zero clients. And, um, but day one, I realized I'd been around this business enough to know most people don't, is it wasn't from lack of experience that they didn't make it right or, or even not or just ability it was just the client part right could you could you last long enough to get those accounts coming in to to fund your business your, your runway and everything else and um thankfully you know i had prepared that for that financially some and i had it i know i knew what my kind of number was in terms of how long i had to do it and thankfully i've never i mean i've always been a very strong networker even before i launched this right just growing up so I put it out there and it was just coffee meetings, coffee meetings. I mean, it become it is, well, it, should, it is to this day, your full-time job, right? This is very much, I tell this to people we're interviewing, this is a, a lifestyle profession, right? There really is no, I mean, me coming here, right? I think that's, I mean, that, yeah, that, it's I think true. It's a, entre- entrepreneurship in general, it's it a is. great way of putting it, a lifestyle profession because 
even let's say that we're not in the office working, like we're always working, always yeah. networking, always chatting. You never know where the next thing's coming from. Um, of course, you kind of have your marketing approach and you hope to get a certain amount from that, but it is this lifestyle. It's completely always on in some form or fashion. You never know who you're meeting and who you're networking with. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know who's listening to the show like when I you post and I reshare it, right? I don't know who how who it gets out to, right? But everything, and what I love what what I tell kind of what I've realized the last few years is, um, it's not so much I'm a lobbyist. I am a lobbyist, but it's that I'm an entrepreneur who who want who went to lobbying as like their pursuit, right? Because you know, I mean, I have my own podcast, the BG podcast, or the firm does rather, and like. That wasn't something I needed to do, but I had the epiphany probably a year ago. I'm like, I think there's something I should do here, right? And you know, it's not lobbying; it doesn't make me any money. Well, we had some sponsors, but it's not like the thing I rely on for funding, right? But it was like, why do I have a podcast? Like, why does lobbyists need a podcast? And honestly, when I first started, I looked around the market nationally, and there may be one or two firms that had their own own shows, right? And I've been on one of the other person's shows, the lobbying <laughs> show. I give a shout out to Jim O'Brien. A lobbying show out of, out of Connecticut, but like, yeah, it's the hustle part right there. But like, right. yeah, it's the idea. It. It's the idea that you know, you, you're. Are you just? I'm doing air quotes now. Are you just this, or can you be more? Right? And I don't know. I guess it's the idea of having a little imagination about what you want to do and how you can market yourself and your firm. And this is the difference between having a day job where you're kind of told what to do, whereas when you own your own company or entrepreneur or even have an entrepreneurial spirit that you have to constantly be looking for ways. What, what, what can I do better than others? What can I put, do different? Because um, marketing, there's a lot of ways, right? I think a podcast is a form of marketing. Same as coffee, going to coffee shops, same, same as uh, joining some nonprofit groups or whatever it might be, or even just going to a happy hour. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is some of these will take some time and some effort, but it's, you know, it's different than spending just a bunch of money on ads. To me, I like to do all of it, right? So, you know, and, and test it and see what works. But uh, I think it's a, and you've, you're up to what, 70 episodes on your podcast? Yes, yeah, so we post the BG, the BG podcast posts every Wednesday and we're, I'm just shout out. We're on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud and Google play, but every Wednesday. So this Wednesday we'll be posting episode 71. Wow. And you're right. The cool part is again, like I, again, I saw your post about your show probably a month or two ago and thank you again for having me on. It's, it's, um, it's just been consistent, right. And getting momentum going. And I know we talked this before your show started, a lot of it is once you get a steady recording cycle going, you won't miss it. It's like getting up or you won't miss that, that post. It's like getting up and working out every day or maybe it's a habit. Right. You do it. You're, you're going to have a show. You're not going to like, oh, well, it's an off week. So I won't record this week. You're going to make sure you have some content, whether it's you get on the mic for five minutes, you're going to post something. Right. Yeah. And that's just, you know, that's, it's not um rocket science, right? It's just you want it making and setting that intention of doing it wherever that, that period is, if it's every two weeks, however you want to do it. Like, but you have to stay on top of that. For me, I realize once a week, yeah, there are some you know, holiday breaks and so on, but once a week typically was the pace I want to do. I thought I had a big enough network and things to say that that would work. Yeah, and I, I think you mentioned something that was very interesting that I believe in um, is habit forming. So you're saying, hey, basically you're going to just have this habit of doing it once a week or, or, or twice a week or whatever it might be. Can you talk to me about some other habits that you perhaps have that you do on a regular basis? Um, yeah, I get up at 4 a.m. every morning. Wow. I like to, you know, I get up at my me time, right? So like 4 to 8 in the morning, 
um, yeah, I'm a, I've always been an early riser for one. So I went to I went to uh, the magnet school in Austin. It's like a smart kid public school, but you have to apply to get in. And that school, I had to get picked up to go there like five in the morning. I had to get up at five to get up, catch a bus to go there at, at six, right? So I've always been an early riser because of that that stuff. And you know, essentially, yeah, I get up at four. I read the news. I do a, a daily news blast like that. I send out, I send out at six a.m. in the morning. Um, but I get up early. Even when I had no clients, my first launch, the, the goal was I needed to set habits to keep myself kind of, not kind of, I needed to set habits to keep myself structured, right? So like, I'm going to get before, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to go, you know, post, cue the news blast, go to the gym, I'm like 5.30 to 7, come back, reshare on all my accounts, like make coffee meetings and so on. But that was like, I was establishing kind of the bookend, of the, of the, the front and end of the routine. At night, kind of do the same thing, kind of cue for the next day. But if I could set some patterns, it would keep things stable on that end. I still do it to this day. I don't think I ever give that part up. I mean, you know, I have more associates. I like seeing the news and seeing what's what's going on and and sharing that with all of our clients. So I, it's fantastic that like right before you started or right when you started that you decided, oh, hey, you consciously decided that you were going to create these habits. My wife just got a new job not too, a couple months back. And one thing we talked about is like, okay, well, you're going to have habits are going to be created, whether you know them or not. Let's go ahead and think about what habits you would like to have, whether it's a scheduling a time thing. And I think that's the easiest way to do a habit. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, I go to the gym over lunchtime, like 11, 1130, 12 o'clock every single day, um, Monday through Friday to me, do I work out five times a week? Not always actually not common, but if I miss one time a week, now I'm, I'm still getting four, right? But that's kind of my habit. And then I try to learn something after after why well, I eat lunch every single day. So I'm always trying to learn something, whether it's it's usually just YouTube because that's a way I enjoy of uh, learning something. But if you do these things, I think it's a great hack to to if you look two years ahead, you're gonna be you could become an expert in something or be really fit if that's what you want to do with the gym. Or for your case, what I, I think that's interesting that you you do something every morning to send out to clients. I bet there's a lot of people that look for that. Yeah, so it was cool too. Like I remember like a few, probably like a year into it, right? I was just kind of getting, I was getting burnt out from doing it, right? And so I put a post out saying, at least an email, hey, I'm canceling this. And I got some, I got feedback. Like, oh, hey, I love this stuff, X, Y, and Z. I mean, it, it's basically, it's, I'll post the headlines for, I'll find three Austin Metro stories around business and politics, three state of Texas stories and one or two national stories. Then I'll throw in, on Wednesday post, I'll put our, a link to our blog or, or a link to our podcast rather in a blog post if it's something going on. Um, but there was a, you know, people were reading it and then they go, I use Squarespace so I can see who, when you, when people open it and like, you know, obviously it's not everyone on your list, but it looked for the, there's the, there was consistently people were opening it like right when I posted at six. Wow. Right. So you realize one, okay, you know, again, with any business, know your market and everything else. So that core group of people, I mean, I'm the, they're the same as me. They're up early risers. A lot of them are either heads of companies or business owners, and they have a lot of things going on. And that morning hour, and this is you know, it's kind of relating to, to uh, entrepreneurship, but the kind of the there's the the cult of four a.m. Right? A lot of people are like, "I'll be CEOs at four a.m." I think it's true, but a lot of it's because you realize most people don't expect you to respond to an email between four and eight o'clock in the morning. That's nobody right? bugging you. So I yeah. To me, I'm more of a night person, so I get a lot of work times sometimes at like 10 p.m. to midnight because nobody expects me to to chat mm-hmm. with them. And a lot of my, I have a lot of uh, freelancers and employees overseas, so it kind of helps with that too. So my my days flip flop, but 
It is. I literally can just shut down email and it's very, <laughs> you, you get m- much more done, I think, when you could uh, turn down, uh, only do stuff that you want. So um, what does success look like for you? It's having, you know, I, I have some internal goals for how I want the firm to grow. It's having that in place. And also having folks who are, who are, they feel respected and, and all the, you know, financially in terms of, and also just personally and professionally in terms of all those things. Um, you know, I don't want to get too kind of in the details of that stuff. Right. But it's, it, I, I'd say the success for me is kind of a clear metric. Right. But I think it also being happy and happiness. There's a spectrum of that. Right. Happy is the wrong, is the wrong, the right word is being fulfilled because I think in the journey of entrepreneurship, there are highs and low days and I'm generally an optimistic person and a happy person, but there are days when we're low. But overall, there's no day that I've woken up since I started this. So I felt I sh- that I'm not where I need to be. So when you have those low, low days, is there anything that you do on a, uh, to get you out of that, uh, that funk? Yeah, I mean, I remind, my, I remind myself of what I have in my life, like fully. I have, you know, like if there was no social media right now, there, Facebook went away like that or Instagram or those things. I have friends that actually reach out to me. I don't have, you know, not like a like on a, a, on a wall. I have friend friends. Mm-hmm. I have family that's, you know, my family's all in Austin that are, that love me and they're, we're tight group. I have my health. Like when I wake up in the morning, the very, I mean, besides looking at the, my logo on my ceiling, I, you know, I, I just kind of do that cyst check, right? I'm like, okay, I have all my arms, my hand, everything's working. I'm breathing. I'm alive. And I'm, I'm, I can, I can walk, right? Like, I mean, real basic stuff, but I think a lot of times you don't take it for granted until you lose those things. Like whether you can't, you get hurt, your leg gets hurt, something like that. It's the fact that you're alive, right? And you're above ground. And so let's start with the thing that matters the most, <laughs> right? You're oh, because yeah, you're breathing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. You're breathing and then rock and roll, but it's, it's all that. Like I have, I have my health, I have my family, I have, um, you know, my, my, my mental faculties, right. And I have a, a, you know, a good life. And then from there, everything else is kind of the details, right? Yeah. But I try to, I try to bring it back to the basics because I'm definitely a person who will overanalyze things for better or worse. So bring it back to kind of what do you got right now? Like you're here, you're breathing, like, you know, you have a, you have a chance for the day. And a lot of people, honestly, I, I try to have perspective too, that with anything, you know, Wherever you have a, your down day, there's always someone who would like give everything to have what you got. I feel yeah. more often than not, right? Where that's you, I mean, there are times like where I live in Austin, you know, it's there's some like um, apartments that are kind of, or are, are, that are, you have to be the age restricted, I guess, to be 55 or older, so on. And I'm running sometimes, and you'll see someone like in a you know, wheelchair walking a dog or, or, or a mechanized chair, and you realize, look, like, they, I'm sure they're going to be on their feet, right? There's a, mm-hmm. you know, they're in a chair that's, you know, they're moving, but like they're really being on their feet running and all the stuff. Like you got this, you have youth, you know, relative youth in 36, but you have relative youth, all of these things like, and really enjoy what you got. Right. And like, don't, there's always, just, life isn't like life's a, it ebbs and flows in terms of the pros and cons, but like, or the negatives and positives, but you have a lot more control. And you realize where kind of your mindset, I feel. Yeah. I think about being, uh, having, gratitude and, and realize what you're grateful for can be very powerful. And, and it's also nice just to sit, take a step back sometimes and realize what do I actually have? Not just my, not all the negatives that's happening right now. Most folks don't see that. Right. I think it's, it's really easy to keep to zero in on like what you don't got versus what you do have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think for me, like just even going to college and like, I went to a school, I went to Wake Forest and 
you know, there's a lot of like really well-to-do kids there. And I'm friendly. I have like some solid, great friends from that school. But for me, you know, it was um, like, I'll give you an example. Like I was the only kid from Austin who went to, to Wake Forest who wasn't from Westlake, right? <laughs> and Westlake's like, it's like if you're, wherever we're part of town, wherever city, who's listening, if you're listening to this, you're from, it's like the rich part of your city, right? And it was a cultural thing for me because I didn't, I mean, I knew about Westlake as that Westlake thing. I didn't know anyone from Westlake, right? And so you meet the meet people from there and, you know, you meet people as human beings and everything else and you see them, you were people. And you realize it for the, the experience for me was recognizing, um, you know, like where you're from, money, you have everything else. There's, there's the human condition of life and there's things, you know, like having money doesn't mean like nothing bad is going to happen to you. Right. Or like your life's perfect. And it was it was very it, I'm thinking about this we're on the show right now, but it was definitely a grounding experience because i thought i knew i i i I thought that in the abstract parents always taught you know like you know money isn't everything and so on but you see it close and you have friends you know you get to know their lives right nothing bad but you see like life is life and you know obviously having money helps a lot of comfort and things like that but some things it can't it can't protect from yeah money can be definitely fuel but yeah it's not it's not everything by any means yeah so who who's had like the biggest influence in your life I mean, I think there are several people, right? There's some teachers, some key teachers, like just growing up, I can point to. Um, but obviously, I think my parents would I'd put as the first and foremost adults in my life. They uh, provided, you know, one well, gave me life and made sure I survived to adulthood and everything else. But, you know, I think, you know, paid for my undergrad and put me in position me as best optimally as they could on a platform to then jump off of and go where I need to go. Right. And I think that's the best, you know, not having children, but that's, I want them someday, but like, that's the kind of the, the ideal is look like it's, I, you know, we know what we know and we're doing this and giving the best we can for you. But ultimately once you reach, you know, there's a their point where you're an adult, you're a man, you're a woman, and you got to make the moves for yourself. Like your parents, you know, ideally can't protect you and save you from everything. You got to go out there and go. Yeah. And what do you want to do with that? And hope the best is that they've equipped you enough to be the, the man or woman you're meant to be. And, you know, you're going to stumble along the way. This is what you will. Um, but that, you know, you, you're, you, you will you go, you know, you will survive those and develop the person you're meant to be. Yeah. I mean, you still got to make something for yourself. I mean, they, so they give you a great uh, starting point. They did but yeah. very much. I mean, it's we a lot know, of work though. I mean, I see them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work, but like, you know, I, we, we, I've been to their house every Sunday. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, they, they did everything and gave me everything that they could possibly give. And even like, you know, I ran the, I ran the three and marath- half marathon rather last Sunday. They picked me up early in the morning. You know, we're at the, at the start of the race. We're at the end of the race. You know, joined back to my office to change everything else. We're hanging out. So, I mean, it's awesome. even to this day, you know, it's, you know, you know everything that I do, I invite them to a lot of events just so they can see kind of the, the fruits of their efforts, right? Because you can go with that, right? We're, we're guys. So like more so for my mom, right? Like mm-hmm. as a tangent, it's just like, you imagine, I can imagine growing someone as, growing someone and then like you're a baby and like, you don't know what this baby's going to be. You don't know what this toddler's going to be. They're eating bugs and stuff, right? Like you're like, <laughs> oh, kid. And then all of a sudden you're on stage presenting an award or giving a speech, right? And like, yeah. imagine, I mean, I want that feeling one day to see like you know, your progeny grow wherever you're going to be, but it's a powerful thing. And for me, the best gift I can give my parents 
um, beyond great vacations, those kind of things, right? <laughs> is I mean, is them saying, okay, you know what? We didn't mess it up, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I'm, I'm junior too, yeah. right? I'm 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 the, I'm the firstborn, so it's just uh, like it's saying, okay, like you know, he hit his head, but he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> he's still kicking. Yeah, he's moving uh, around. He's doing something in his life. So, what does your uh, future hold? Um, I think future, you know, this continued growth of the firm, um, the growth my community my civic and community involvement um you know being able to give more i think it's been interesting to me uh just you know as you kind of come into your you know your mid-30s and your career is going going a certain way it's uh i think as i've you know my as i've made more my capacity capacity to give grows right and like it's fun like i definitely put that in my mom in terms of She's she'll give her shoes she'll give her shoes away or anything else right. She's always had a great giving heart. Both my parents, my mom especially, has been influencing me in that way. And I've you know it's uh just being able to give more. I mean make more, give more, and and uh, and have fun. Like in the city's growing immensely. I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying it. I mean I'm a local who loves the the amount of capital coming here fiscally or financially rather. And this human capital, the ideas, the energy it's bringing is coming here. I'm enjoying it and just, you know, want to take advantage of all that and grow with it. Yeah, you're sounding like a little bit more like me. A lot of people were upset about Austin, Texas and uh, how we've how it's changed and it continues to change. Well, it's always changing, right? Like change yeah. is inevitable. It's got, and it's I think either, happen, yeah. either our city is going to, Austin's going to, there's no kind of stagnation, right? Either the city is going to do a slow death. Or it's gonna we're gonna grow and, and grow. And That's the like, way I look at it too. Is like, would you would you rather that opposite? You know, like I mean, have I, it, I, have think, I think there are some that probably would want to have like nothing change, but that's not the reality. What would you title this chapter in your life? Man, I would just call it you know chapter three, the twenties, this being twenty twenty, the this decade, right? Like I think uh, it's and it's funny. I look at my life as chapters, right? Just give perspective on. You know, not necessarily a fixed like age, right? But just you know, usually there again there are those those moments, those those transition moments, right? That kind of bookend, start and never and kind of represent a close of a chapter. Um, and definitely where we're going now, going into this decade, um, definitely aligns with that. And yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing how we come out in 2030. Yeah, it's fun. So last question: uh, How would you like to be remembered? As I mean, someone who cared about the community, honestly, I mean, business is going to come and go. Right. And, you know, you, you see that from other, you know, you know, the railroad, railroad barons, you know, the tech titans now. Right. I mean, ultimately, you make all even back in the day, the Medici, all these people, right. The, Med, or the Medici, rather, all these folks. Right. You make all this money. But it comes down to what did you do? Right. Your business, is your business. Right. It's a way to do something. And, yeah, I want to I want to I think if I had two goals is to it's obviously to be successful for our clients to to grow and to help develop and foster a lot of great careers for my associates and and so on you know personally to be wealthy but also to yeah to give the community I mean, because the money you can take it with you so how many people's lives did i in touch was it through you know sending kids to the austin sunshine camps was it to funding scholarships for college or private school whatever it may be or what, right? But like to me, that's the end of the day. And then days, like how many lives you affected? And like I think about it sometimes, you know, when you you think about, you know, thinking about death, but like in a positive way, in the sense of I mean, it's gonna happen, right? And to me, I think that's the driving force of humanity. It's knowing that and knowing you have you have, you know, 
a limited time to do something or some things on this planet, what do you want to do? But that our finite nature is what should, motivates me anyway. And, you know, every day again, it's a blessing to wake up and breathe and be able to you know, be on your show or these kind of things. And, you know, you, you max your time out, right? Like, I, and more so, it's interesting being in your mid thirties, like, we're no, we're not, you know, I'm 36, 37, like we're, we're not old, we're not young, but it's just the fact of like, we know, you know, there's, you know, when there's a clock, right? We all have a clock uh-huh. and like, it, and it's just recognizing it's almost like how much can you pack in, right? It's, <laughs> but it's just fun though, because I mean, it's like, it motivates you. I mean, for me this year, I recognize, you know, I, yet again, yesterday, Sunday, I ran, you know, half marathon and 13 miles and I, I already signed up for the Austin marathon next month for half mile. I got some, I got a Spartan race and uh, like obstacle course race in, in May. I'm trying to pack in some other things, but like recognizing, you know, you're, you know, it's, it's just, I want to rock and roll and push it, man. Like go like, well then, you know, not like kill myself obviously, but just, I have a lot more to go more gas in my tank. And mm-hmm. I think if I, if I had to close out my chapter or close out the book rather, whatever that is, is not to have any gas left because what, what's the point? Yeah, I love right? it. That day, whatever that is, like coming home day, you will, like my, my culture is like being able to think about is that point, honestly, that drives me too. It's just, did I do everything I could have done? Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have had the experience earlier on when I missed those opportunities, when I should have acted, I should have done that thing, quote unquote, right. And now I never want to miss those things. And I try to take advantage, of, you know, I like your point about learning something every day. I mean, Getting more input, more read, more inputs, more reading, more if it's audiobooks or whatever else, getting it all in. Like we have a lot more free time in our day, especially in this country, than we want to recognize or acknowledge. Right. And for me, it's like you realize how much time you've wasted in the past, but while well, you have it, one, you realize that, but now you have today to do what you want to do. And what are you going to do with it? You know, sit there and watch, I mean, I, and I watch Netflix and those kind of things, but also I make sure, like for me, my goal was I'm reading two hours a day. So I break it up into 20 hour increments, sorry, 20 minute increments or 30 minute increments. I get it done, but I find the time, right? So before I go to the gym, I get four, you know, four, 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 10 to four forty. I'm reading a book and I go to the gym. I come back, I read another 20, you know, you make, you make it work. You mm-hmm. can do it. No, I love it. I think you're well on your way to your, uh, of how you want to be remembered. And I, you know, AJ, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. It was, a, it was a, definitely a pleasure. But Darren, thank you for having the show. I'll be back at some point in the future. And it's fun. And uh, again, it's the Bingham Group, the www.binghamgp.com. And we'll definitely have that up in the show notes uh, on YouTube. You'll be able to, um, it'll, be, it'll be all over the place. And the website, establishingyourempire.com. All right, cheers. All right, cheers. I mean, that's good. Dude, this is great. fun, man. Yeah.